Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Will Paul George end up in Boston? Did Russell Westbrook deserve the MVP? What other free agent moves might ripple across the NBA? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Today I'm thrilled to bring back the three-man pod that went so well again for the draft last Friday. So on the show, we have Adam Stanko, who is our college basketball and NBA insider, as well as Dave Dufour. Uh, and I suppose to just establish who and what and what we all sound like, uh, Adam, uh, it's great to have you on. Thanks for jumping in here and uh, talk to us for a second. Oh, it's always uh, good to join you, fellas. And, you know, as long as we can make our wives happy, that's going to be the goal right now. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Dave, is your, your solution, do you just lock her in the gym? What did you do, as you said? Yeah, well, she's at the gym. Uh, this is her excuse to spend time away from me, I think. It's like, oh, yeah, I have to go work out some more. No, I can't be at home right now. I think she's just tired of me podcasting all the time. I'm doing like 30 hours a week or something. I mean, it's, it's crazy how many podcasts I've, I've done since the season ended. I'm wow. exhausted. Yeah, I mean, I'm I not heard. tired of talking, though, so that's a good thing, I guess. Well, you know, let, well, let's talk a little bit because certainly there was some interesting stuff going on today about uh, Wojnarowski was reporting that it looks like the Celtics are trying to recreate their, uh, their big three from uh, the past when they had, uh, let's see, Paul Pierce um, and uh, Ray, Ray Allen. Allen and yeah, Kevin and Garnett. And they're trying to redo that now with, uh, in a very interesting, different dynamic with Gordon Hayward and Paul George. Uh, to pair, I suppose, with Isaiah Thomas and whoever else might be left. So, uh, you know, it, does it sound plausible? Because isn't it the whole issue we have here that Paul George wants to leave to go to L.A. anyway? Well, so I'm under the assumption that if he goes to the Celtics, they will have already agreed to a renegotiation and extension, which pays him more now and the next two years. So um, basically that'll take away the chance to leave next summer. I don't think Boston's – I think part of the reason why the deal hasn't happened is because Boston wants those assurances before they make the deal. I don't know if Indiana has allowed them to negotiate yet or if maybe we've got like you know the hint, 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 wink, wink negotiations happening right now. Um, but I do know that you know they, they are definitely interested in Paul George. Um, the package that I've heard is Avery Bradley – a draft pick and either Jalen Brown or uh, Jason Tatum. Uh, I would, I wouldn't want to give up Jalen Brown in that deal because I like Jalen Brown and Paul George and potentially Gordon Hayward together. I think that's a, that's a heck of a wing lineup right there. But um, that's what, that's what I've heard. And, And of course this, the whole idea is they want to get George because then it's easier to get Hayward and Hayward already has some interest reportedly. Adam, have you heard anything about that? Yeah. I mean, it's been talked about for quite a while that Hayward's got interest, obviously played for Brad Stevens at Butler. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is, I think we look at the whole NBA landscape right now and we saw what the Warriors did and the Cavs having three stars 
it almost felt like wasn't enough. Like you're going to need now, like we, we talked about previously, like a multitude of talented players. And we knew the Celtics, look, first seed, in the, they were the one seed in the East, plus had uh, Isaiah Thomas having his career year. And they've got a lot of interesting parts already. We knew Avery Bradley. We talked about that backcourt, Marcus Smart, Rozier. Uh, but all I kept hearing was that the only untouchable player on the Celtics was Al Horford. And I thought for a while Isaiah Thomas would be moved. So what makes this whole thing really interesting is that now you've got Isaiah Thomas, who we've talked about his defensive issues in the past. And and now, though, you put him next to Paul George and Gordon Hayward. It almost, to me, I, guys, I'm curious from your perspective, like, who else needs to be on the court? I mean, Al Horford also. I mean, that foursome right there is pretty interesting on paper, but I'm curious about, you know, defensively, what kind of issues are they going to have? And also, how does it all work in terms of the offensive collective there? Well, what's interesting about this, which I like about what Stevens has done uh, with the offense, is that it is based on space and movement, where kind of like what you saw with Kevin Durant fitting in with the Warriors so seamlessly, or is pretty seamlessly, whereas we didn't see that with like the big three in Miami, for instance. It took them a long time to figure that out, and they still never really got like beautiful basketball going, but... Um, so I think that that's already in place in a way that those guys will be able to fit in pretty well. I, you know, Paul George and, and Gordon Hayward can attack on the catch and certainly can adjust more of their game to do that, and, and, and that would fit in pretty nicely. So I think that would work. Uh, now, is Crowder – Crowder would still be there in all these scenarios. Is that right? You know, I, I don't know um, because obviously you've got to match the salaries up, and, and I think it's uh, like Avery Bradley and Crowder basically match up perfectly for Paul George. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Crowder to me is on the, he's on the best deal in the NBA. He's getting paid peanuts. He's getting paid peanuts for the next three years. And he's a very good player. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I would give up a pick if I'm including Crowder in a deal. Um, But if I could for a second, just throw a curveball at you guys. Uh, Russell Westbrook is eligible for the, the max extension, the, the DVPE in the new CBA. Uh, so far, there's no indication whether he's going to sign or not. We'll know more July 1st or, you know, maybe the day before. Uh, what if he's available? Now, now the, the scenario is if he's not going to resign, the Oklahoma City Thunder will be moving him. This is not this is not me, you know, conjecturing. They have to move him. They cannot afford to lose him next summer for nothing. So he has more value now than he does at the trade deadline. So he would be moved this summer. Um, how much of that do you think Danny Ainge is thinking about? Like, maybe I could pull out a deal and get all three of these guys. Now Horford would have to be gone, but there is, there is a way that you could kind of make this work. And I, I haven't played around with it. I literally just thought of this idea, but you know, you could maybe put a package together with Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford, for, you know, maybe you, you do Steven Adams and Russell Westbrook. And then, you know, you, you make everything work. But um, you could wind up maybe with Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Gordon Hayward, and Steven Adams, and then whoever else. Uh, it, am I crazy? Is that is that a crazy idea? Yeah. It is? Which well, part of it's crazy? The, the OKC would never – I mean, I know they have to get something back, but they would never simply get – 
uh, what you propose back and in, in like if oh no 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 there would be more stuff I mean probably I would guess the Nets pick for next year oh yeah but I don't even think the picks are enough it's got to be players it's got to be people it's got to be like Crowder like I would think it would have to be Isaiah Thomas and Crowder like I'm not even sure why you want to complicate it by giving up Adams either just like I would just try and do it for just Russ it's more for the salary that I'm thinking for Adams and I ha- again I haven't looked at it. I literally just had that idea while you guys were talking. Yeah. Um, but but the, the truth of the matter is that Russell Westbrook may very well be available by this time next week. It's interesting. It, the one thing I will say, if we're really going to go down this road, and why not, right? It, this I'm going to pull up the, the trade machine. To do it. This is the time to do it. But what <laughs> makes it interesting, though, is Isaiah Thomas. Now you start to run into this issue, which is you talked about best uh, contracts in basketball. For the last couple of years, Isaiah Thomas's was. I mean, he's a guy – just over six million, um, but he's up after 2018, and so the question was, you know, hey, the Celtics are going to have to sign him for a max, and now you'd have to ask. All of a sudden, now you go into a contract year for Isaiah Thomas. Like, does that does that put Oklahoma? It, it basically comes down to how much do they value, you know, it. I think that's what it would really be determined by if we're really throwing him out as trade bait. But I think, I mean. They, I think the Celtics have the most interesting mix of players available right now. They just kept collecting assets. The Sixers collected, like, I'm going to get crushed for this, but, like, theoretical assets almost, you know, in, in terms of, like, draft picks and, and um, pick swaps. But the Celtics have actually got players on the floor that other teams really covet. And, and I know you guys talked about it before. Dave, you had a theory when we, when we did the draft show the whole idea that, you know, you put up certain players in certain positions and all of a sudden you're showcasing them for the rest of the league. And Celtics has sort of been able to do that. I mean, not only did they draft Jalen Brown high last year, but he also played serious minutes and was an impactful player all year long. And now all of a sudden his value has, has shot up much greater than it was when he was coming out of Cal and he was this surprise lottery. Not not that he was surprised in the lottery, but when he went in the lottery. So I just think it's so interesting that the Celtics have so many options. It's not just... Here's who they'd have to offer, but it's more so what would Oklahoma City be interested in? You know, actually, I, I looked at the trade machine. I totally forgot Ennis Cantor would have to go to the Celtics. It, they would have to get off that salary. So Ennis Cantor instead of Stephen Adams um, would would be my my thought. And I, again, I only threw Stephen Adams in there just for the I'm thinking salary wise, um, but it's not likely that that Boston would be able to pull this off, but. Danny Ainge has stockpiled all of these picks and all these players. And, you know, as you just pointed out, they all have all this value. At some point, you've got to push your chips into the table, much like he did in the Kevin Garnett deal. And if you've ever wanted to go to a game but thought it would be too difficult to get tickets, then put your chips on the table and download the SeatGeek app. It truly is the best way to find tickets to any sporting event or concert event. Right now, I'm eyeing the Big 3 basketball tournament, and SeatGeek tells me which seats have the best prices with an easy-to-follow rating system. And they also show you the vantage point from that seat. So, the next time you want to see KD and Curry, LeBron and Kyrie, or Ball and Lopez, SeatGeek is just a tap away. And if you use my code COACHNICK, you'll save 20 bucks off your first purchase. So ignore Wojnarowski, forget about Simmons, and use my code COACHNICK in the promo code area, and you'll be getting fully guaranteed seats that will be better than even the Andersons tickets. 
Well, by the way, I think he's already signaled what's going on because clearly by dropping down to third uh, and then drafting another player that's just like Jalen Brown, that means that they're not keeping one of them, right? That, that's, that's what that says to me. That, that, they went out of their way to, like, to give away or to not use the number one pick. So, and then the, if you want to start from that end where it's like there's already stuff probably going on in the works, uh, instantly for me, like, okay, that, that pick or, or either Tatum or Brown is going to be for the Paul George thing. Right. Like that's what we were thinking about at the very least. Um, and so now you're, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how the, the Russell Westbrook thing, you're kind of throwing me for a loop because now you got to try and picture <laughs> you got to try and picture Russell Westbrook, Gordon Hayward, Paul George and anybody, whoever's left to play together. Right. That's very that's very strange. That's that's very Frankenstein monster kind of feel to me. Um, it doesn't I mean, it's not grabbing me quite like that would be cohesive. Does it? You yeah. know what I mean, well, well here's the you. thing. I got a question for the both of you guys. So this has been talked about so much within NBA circles is the idea that, you know, whether Kevin Durant enjoyed playing with Russell Westbrook or not. And obviously, Coach, we know that you've spoken about this sort of at length and you've shown why, you know, why, why there's reason to dislike at times playing with Russell Westbrook or what have you. But here's but here's the thing for me. If you're selling free agents and you're talking to Paul George and a Gordon Hayward. Um, is it much more enticing to play with Russell Westbrook knowing that it's going to be the three of you? Or is it still a case of, man, we're going to run into the same issues that some of his Oklahoma City teammates have faced over the last few years? Well, that's twofold because Russ is from L.A. So is Paul George, rough basically. So they have the same circles. But guess who else was in that circle? Harden. So... Mm -hmm. You have to wonder, like, what, who is talking to who and who's friendly exactly with who? Because I would imagine Harden would say, "No, nah, I wouldn't want to play with him." But maybe, like, Paul George works out with Russ or whatever. It's like, yeah, that would be fun. Like, you know what I mean? It's a really interesting dynamic on that end too. But certainly, if you wanted to think about Paul George uh, and you know going with Russ, then that would be a way you would attack that, right? You would somehow try and get those guys because you know that they're good friends or whatever. That could be a possibility as well. I mean, this is—I mean, I can't imagine what we should when we have this. When we reconvene next week, we'll see just how wrong we are <laughs> because there's so much going on on this. Was it next week? When does uh, free agency start? Free agency starts uh, the first. So what day is that? Is that Friday? Saturday, Saturday, right? Saturday. Yeah. So midnight Saturday. It's also uh, Woj's first day at ESPN. So ah, someone someone said something really funny uh, on Twitter, uh, and and it was like they should do their free agency live show and at midnight he should walk over and turn the lights out that's a reference to something familiar but i'm forgetting what uh it was the final episode of cheers cheers yeah it must have been yes, cheers. cheers did that that's what it was and i've oh, heard yeah. that uh, just for some inside uh television uh rumors i've heard it's it's woge and bobby marks are the only two guaranteed going to espn right now Oh, uh, I don't know who else knows that. I don't know who else knows that or breaking news. You know, there, well, there by the way, I mean, it really news. isn't that big of a, of a thing. You got Schmitz and Gavani for Draft Express, who, you know, probably just want to stay where they are anyway. Uh, and I guess you got Shams, the only other guy, right? And Mannix. Oh, and I don't get Mannix. Yeah. Now, now, those guys Rahu could himself. end up. Yeah. Now, again, this this is what I've heard right now is who's guaranteed. That doesn't mean other guys may not come along, but. Just uh, at, at, I, it's important because where Woj goes, basketball news goes. So, yeah. you know, it's it's important uh, so, to all of us. So, but back to all right. So back to Paul George. I, I know I took us 
way away by talking about Russell Westbrook. Uh, he's just he's just been on my mind because you know he won the MVP last night. But um, back to the the Paul George scenario, the Paul George thing is important for Boston if they want to get Hayward. But I, I think that they still can get Hayward without getting Paul George. But it seems like they can't get Paul George without an answer from Hayward. And I don't know if they want one without the other. This is this is like there's there's a lot of stories out there. So they may be in a position where they're waiting until free agency starts to see if they can get Hayward before they could trade for Paul George. And in the meantime, someone comes in and gives a better offer to Indiana and Paul George is going somewhere else. And so this is why I was, you know, last week I was talking about the Lakers and how they really do need to make a good offer if they want to get Paul George now, if they feel like it's important. If he goes to Boston, I don't think I think they lose their chance to get him because of the renegotiation and extension. That's so it's a, yeah. it's tricky. Right. It's tricky. Well, also it's the whole like they'll probably win, uh, and they're also in the East. It's like that has to be a thing. So as far as Hayward goes, and he the decision he needs to make, I think, is that he's on a young up and coming team. He's sort of young up and coming team. It's kind of weird, um, you know. But do, do do we feel like there's a bit of a of a of a ceiling here for the Jazz? Like I don't know if the next three or four years yields him anything greater than like a second round uh, uh, appearance in the in the playoffs in the Western Conference. Whereas if he goes to the to the Celtics, that's, that's like that should be conference finals every year, and then maybe better. So like I think isn't would that be isn't that what he's thinking right now? I think it's got to be. I mean, I, I'm with you. For years, we were talking about the Jazz as this upstart team, like you just said. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like, well, wait a minute, how much better can they truly be in the West? And that that's going to be the thing. And and teams are now looking in general at what does the landscape look like? Not just I, – I think it's weird. I think we've seen a total shift in the NBA, whereas – before it was, hey, improve yourself, and that's what matters. Let's just improve ourselves. And then all of a sudden, when you hit this sort of tanking era, all of a sudden it was no longer about, are you trying to improve? Are, are you just getting better, or are you now sitting there outside of the lottery, you know, as an eight seed? So that was tanking. And now we're seeing this next step, this next iteration of the NBA, where it's, okay, well, we're not going to be able to compete with the Warriors. So what are we doing to set ourselves up long-term? Or we're going to have to wait out LeBron. And so I think, to me, that's the interesting thing about Gordon Hayward with the Jazz. To your point, like, the Jazz may be what looks like a young, up-and-coming team, but I don't know that they are. I mean, Rudy Gobert, obviously, there's reason to be excited, excitement there. But then look around with the rest of the Jazz. And, you know, George Hill also could be walking so now we're looking at just a team that right now, to me, I don't know what the – I don't know the ceiling. I, re, I really don't know what the ceiling is. And and I, I'm curious as to both of you guys also, which one would you rather have, Paul George or Gordon Hayward? If I had to choose, I'm taking Paul George. Without a question. Yeah. You know, I see, don't think Hayward – Hayward didn't affect the game the same way to me. Yeah, and Not this, that he's a – yeah, he's not a bad player. So, and I always have to couch this because people are like, "I can't believe you hate Gordon Hayward." Um, I just think Paul George affects the game so much more. Yeah, I think Gordon Hayward's ceiling is is the ceiling the Jazz have. Like it's the same kind of idea there, where when he's at his best, sometimes it's so difficult the shots that he ultimately makes sometimes and not doesn't make other times that it's like he's a. I think he's what the optimal third best player on your team, right? Like he's sort of in that room, which is kind of like you know I'm doing a video right now on uh, Butler to, to, to the Timberwolves, and by by putting Wiggins as the third best player on a team now. That's a role he can flourish in, whereas when he was trying to be second or even first, like that's just not a 
role for him. And I think that Hayward's the same way. And I bet you Hayward wouldn't argue with that. I think he would probably want to be in that role. No, I'd agree with that as well. Plus, George's ability defensively and just, I think, being able to carry a team in stretches. I mean, obviously, Hayward is terrific in the playoffs. We've seen flashes where he takes over offensively, but I agree with you. Like, George brings just so much more to the table and I think also opens the door for other players. You can almost imagine if George goes to the Celtics, I'm picturing, okay, maybe Hayward, the Hayward thing doesn't work out and you only ended up with Paul George you now still could attract other players to come play with Paul George. I don't know that that same right. fervor would be there for playing with Gordon Hayward. And they're both 27 years old, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and apparently, I mean, it does feel like Paul George has recovered fully, so that's not an issue from what his injury from before. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And, again, we're going to be all completely wrong uh, probably a week from now. <laughs> oh, we absolutely. Find out what happens. But – uh, I will I, say this. Yeah, I will say this about Russell Westbrook, um, because I think that I, I just maybe stepped on your segue to Russell Westbrook. But <laughs> I just realized that. Sorry. I, I was just thinking, you know, while we're talking about the trades, I, I think if Russell Westbrook is available, that the Lakers will come in very aggressively for Russell Westbrook. So, yeah, well, they already got rid of who they would have traded for him. That's which is an unfortunate event here, right? They they would have given D'Angelo Russell and something. So what would they do now? Would you put Ingram on the table for Russ? Yeah, I wouldn't. But yes, they will. They would, I suppose, because they're going to want a star. They want that name, right? That's my assumption. I don't know. All of a sudden I'm down on Ingram without him having done anything to make me down on him. (laughs) he was he was actually so you know i talked about this last night when we were i was talking about the awards and stuff narrative is so important and the first like two to two and a half months of the season really sets the narrative for a guy for the whole year ingram was bad for his first two and a half months as a professional basketball player and that's not weird that's pretty normal um but we hyper analyze everything and then we just move on so we hyperanalyzed the fact that he was so bad for those two, first two and a half months, and then we totally missed out on February, March, and and a little bit of April when they were playing, where it was actually pretty good. They put the ball in his hands a lot more. He was hitting shots at a higher rate. So I don't know how I feel about Ingram. I think the jury is still out, as it should be, on a kid that's like 19 years old. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. But I, the number of guys that pan out compared to the number of guys that don't, you know, it's yeah. I don't know. Well, I, and I just saw a stat, and now I'm going to sound uh, uninformed. But it was something about he was the only rookie ever to, to like lead the rookies in minutes and not get a vote for all rookie team. Is that right? That sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah, that does sound right. Something like that, which is crazy, and that might have been the thing. But you're right. What what you would see even later on when he was playing better, you would see the first like several minutes of the game, he would still struggle, and it doesn't. You're like, oh, what's going on here? But then all of a sudden, he kind of get warmed up. And boom, he gets to the basket and score on you, and then he'd get a rebound, then he'd get another putback, and then he'd get a hook or whatever it was. And he's like, you're like, oh, okay. Like it would take a little while for him to get warmed up, which is also again that 19 year old. They haven't figured out how best to like get ready for that game right from the get go. And um, but yeah, I, I was there was nobody higher on him than me all last year, and I still feel like I should be that way. Um, so so yeah, but again, do you part with him? It's a different position, which is interesting. So you trade him for Russ, and then that makes things really weird because, you know, I get okay. Then I guess Lonzo Ball's got the reins. Really has the reins. Oh, I'm sorry, they wouldn't because now how's Lonzo going to play? I guess he plays shooting guard next to Russ, or it'd be weird. Well, I had I actually so I've thought about this one. Okay. Um, I think Lonzo would actually work pretty well with Russ. 
I think it would get Russ off the ball a little bit more. It would certainly unlock some of that cutting that we know he's great at, but he doesn't have anybody who can get him the ball in OKC. Um, I, I really think that, that that could be a nice little duo there. Might be the right guy to be next to Russ. You know, you know yeah, yeah, go ahead, Adam. Uh, I, I was going to say, in a way, I, I find it interesting because I do think that that could, that could work in many respects. And we saw when Harden was there, like – there were, I thought that OKC was best when Harden was bringing the ball up the up the court just just because he could settle things from the start of their offense and get them into their offense better than than Westbrook could at that time. Now we're talking a few years back now, but the uh, the interesting part is that Lonzo Ball doesn't do a lot of um, you know catching and shooting. He's more of a yeah, and, and I think that's the one guy I would want to pair with. I would love to get a shooter next to Westbrook, get a couple shooters next to him. I always believe in that that theory that the Bulls always sort of practiced with Michael Jordan, surround him with a bunch of shooters, and then where's the help going to come from that I felt like, you know, the, the Iverson Sixers sort of missed out on when they had Eric Snow playing the point. But I think, again, with, alongside Russell Westbrook, if he's attacking from the wing now, um, is Lonzo Ball going to be able to hit, catch, and shoot threes? Because I think, you know, that's where the, you know, where if, some of the help comes from that that point guard up top. So I don't know. To me, though, it's interesting in terms of the passing. I think it definitely works. Plus, you have a six six guy they could switch off in terms of who they guard on the opposite end of the floor. I think it could be really interesting. And uh, I'm glad you spent some time thinking about this. Yeah. I did. It, well, I thought about it a lot when when I when I assumed after the D'Lo trade they were going to make the next trade like immediately and get Paul George because it got my wheels turning and I, I knew you know the, this extension is coming up. And if Russ doesn't take it, well, then that's when you push your chips into the table and you say, okay, well, we didn't have to give up Ingram to get Paul George, but we will give up Ingram now that we have Paul George to get Russ. And then you've got a team that's actually pretty decent. I mean, you've got Lopez as your stretch five. It clears the lane for Russ to attack. He's got, you know, you've got Paul George there as like your secondary playmaker. And then you can fill out the roster with other guys. I mean, uh, it wouldn't be hard once you had those two guys to get some guys to come there and play. It's still not beating the Warriors, but you know, like that's get you know we got five years before anybody's going to figure that out. Well, I will just say that the notion, of the excitement that you guys speak of this this idea that Russ and Lonzo will exist peacefully in the in the backcourt and how how nice it would be for Russ to be off the ball. It, it's kind of like when uh, when Luke Skywalker mentioned the name Obi-Wan Kenobi to Ben Kenobi, and he had said he hadn't heard that for a long time because I had been saying this since Eric Maynard was in OKC playing alongside Russ when they looked the best. And I gave up. I literally just, like, went, I went uh, Ben Kenobi and went, like, uh, became a hermit, just decided I'm never going to talk about it anymore because it's not going to happen. Well, look, the force is strong with Luke Walton. If anyone could figure it out, it could be the guy who's, like, the player whisperer. And, you know, I, I really think that if Russ, I think at this point, Russ won the MVP. Um, I think that he's got to start thinking about championships, right? Like, I mean, at, at a certain point in your career, right? Like guys, guys go through this, right? I'm done trying to carry the load. I care more about, you know, winning or whatever. And I'm not trying to say that he doesn't care about winning because he obviously does. Like, the guy competes hard as hell every single night. He, you know, he, play, he plays every single minute he's in the game. He's playing hard. Now, whether he's, you know, making mistakes on defense or not, he's still out there doing stuff, right? Like, it's not it's not like he's just coasting. Um, I think that if you get him into the right environment, one where he's not 
the whole show, like he is in Oklahoma City, where he's calling every shot. Um, I think that that really you could you could fix some of the issues that we have with him. And with that being said, he did just win MVP. Yeah, but here's here's the only thing though. He's also gone through multiple coaches to to coach Nick's point. I mean, he's gone through multiple coaches. Looks like the same player is going to do the same thing in a weird way. Like, in a, if you get Russell Westbrook, you're getting the full Russell Westbrook package, and you know what you're getting. I almost, I, it's weird because even though in one breath I'm agreeing with you, I think it could sort of work, and I'd be excited to see just the passing capability between Lonzo, Westbrook, and Paul George would be pretty cool to see some guys that can make some really cool pass. I mean, we'd see some amazing plays, and, uh, you know, they'd be unbelievable pushing the ball. I mean, just how Lonzo pushes the ball would be great. And with Westbrook's speed, um, it'd be a lot of fun. The, it'd be weird to see where Brooke Lopez is as they're running down the floor. Right. But but uh, I, I do wonder, though, in general, like, I go back, it's like, and then the other breath, I'm like, wow, Russell Westbrook's going to be who Russell Westbrook is. And, and, and now that he's won an MVP – that way, how can anyone tell him any differently? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think my argument there is just that it, he won an MVP, but he didn't win. You know, he was out in the first round. They were they were lucky to make the playoffs. I mean, I, I'll give him credit. He really did carry that team to that sixth seed. I mean, he won them a lot of games late. Um, you know, obviously, statistical variance, you know, comes into play as, as far as the clutch play and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think that at a certain point he's going to want to win games and win championships, or at least be in the conversation. Now with the Lakers, you know, like they're going to be looking to get LeBron next summer too. So all of this might be complete speculation. I mean, it is complete speculation, but we might be way off. They might be thinking about, you know, maybe we're going to try to get Chris Paul as a free agent this summer or something like that. I, I don't know what's going on there. I do know that it feels like they've gone away from the youth guys. Yeah, by trading Delo. Yeah, it does feel that way, too. It's weird. Well, again, they're, they're all already thinking a couple steps ahead as well. Obviously, the Lopez acquisition was clearly for clap, cap space next year. Um, and I, you would have thought that would be for Paul George. But now that was before, right? This is before Paul George was, like, laying on the line. We ain't re-signing. And now, like, the Pacers are clearly going to have to trade him. Um, although I have to imagine the Lakers would have, you know, that's part of their thinking as well. So uh, I don't know. It's confusing. So, like, okay, so maybe you're right. Maybe that was a move for LeBron. And the Paul George is going to be a trade anyway that they're going to make. Um, it's confusing. A lot of up, uh, things up in the air. Uh, I, I don't think anyone's going to argue, by the way, that the MVP, you know, that, that Russ deserved the MVP, right? It's just sort of one of those weird things where Harden had almost an equal argument. Yeah, you know, I, I, I talked about this last night. I don't feel like it was a bad choice. You know, like it, it's hard to fault people for voting a guy that had the season that he had, you know, like statistically, when you look at the counting stats, they were, I mean, it's, that's impressive, you know, and, and, and he did carry a team that, that had less talent than Houston and had less talent than San Antonio. And he carried him to a six seed almost by himself. So, I mean, he deserves some credit for that, whether you give him MVP or not. I, I mean, I personally would have gone with Kawhi um, because I feel like Kawhi affects the games on both sides of the court. Um, I think he totally makes his teammates better, and he was on a 61-win team. So, I mean, I, I just count those wins a lot. But, you know, I mean, obviously he won, so I might be overvaluing the, uh, you know, the, the, the value of a win. Um, you know, yeah, you might be. I, I, in any other year, any normal year, Kawhi wins the MVP, and it's probably not unanimous, but it's like an overwhelming majority of votes are for Kawhi. 
this was not a normal year. Uh, and again, what's really not normal, and this is sort of in the age that we live in, I think even culturally, right, where like the guy, you know, doesn't win like you would normally expect someone to win for the MVP and, and then he gets it. Um, because even Harden had a better uh, argument in that range as well, because they won more games with. With I would argue that like the, uh, the talent level was better, I suppose, in Houston. But I just get really dicey when we're talking about um, he had to shoot that double pump clutch hanging off the glass and over two people because his teammate in the corner who was open wouldn't make that shot. Like that's that's where I get troubled because LeBron of all people was the guy who would make that pass every time anyway, no matter what the talent level is on his team. But that's the that's the thing that makes LeBron, you know, the, the player that he is. And, and, you know, Russ is kind of the guy who's taking those tough shots. He's more in that Kobe sort of vein, um, yeah. you know. And, and, I mean, I'm sure he's a Kobe guy. I mean, feels like him, Paul George, like those are Kobe guys. And I don't know. I think LeBron was a, a Michael Jordan guy. Well, yeah. And well, Michael why, Jordan. Why is that? What, they, they all grew up in L- here in Southern California watching Kobe when they were little. I mean, that's this is the Kobe effect in, 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 in you know, generationally, uh, which, you know, is interesting. It's, it's really that that's something we no one's ever really I don't think ever really explored is how these how the game ends up changing the 10 years after he's done playing or whatever. When these young kids have idolized these guys. It's interesting. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, DeMar DeRozan is another Kobe guy. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's a video. i got to make a video on this. So you, I, I do that. Because look at that. Who, who are the guys that came up? There's a lot of NBA guys from, from this area who, uh, who came up watching Kobe versus like, versus like Michael, for instance, uh, or Magic even going back further. Like, that's some deep, profound influence that you're going to get that affects the NBA like, you know, years and years later. It's crazy. Yeah, just just give me the credit in the video. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Kobe, uh, I'll probably Kobe was also – Kobe was also playing in the league long enough that everyone had a chance to see him at some point, you know, and was on TV enough that uh, makes an impression that way. The other thing I thought that was interesting, we're touching on the MVP stuff, is that, well, two things, actually. Number one, I cannot remember the last time that I don't think people would have been frustrated with almost any order of the top three. It's so crazy to me. Like, like on one hand, I, I could be swayed by the day over what the top three is like that's that's wild to me that you could switch it up like you just said you would have picked Kawhi. i think i would have gone with james harden i loved what he did changing the culture in houston and you know i remember last year d'antoni talked about you know he's going to play harden at the point he said i think he's going to do some special things when he takes over the point guard position and all of a sudden he goes out and basically changes what we've seen from a point guard before you know his ability to score as well as distribute it was unreal um and uh i was i I thought he raised the level of play of the guys around him more so than you could make the argument for westbrook and and Kawhi. and then the other thing that i think is interesting is it's almost like a case study and we sort of touched on this of uh that that age-old question which would you rather have you know the nba title and the finals MVP, or would you rather have the regular season MVP? And it's players almost always say that they'd rather have that, you know, championship. But it's one of those things where you don't know if it's really true. And you have that now with Durant and Westbrook. I just find that to be somewhat interesting. I don't know, just for my own edification, I guess. I think you're. I think you really hit on something that that's relevant. I, I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. Well, I, let, me, let me throw this yeah. out there because I had a tweet that kind of went yeah, it went around a little bit uh, the other day where it, it seems that like the Rockets wanted to target, target Chris Paul to bring in as a free agent. 
and which is strange because you're talking about Harden having the greatest year he's ever had, of any players ever had, playing the position that Chris Paul would play. And you have to imagine they would clear with him. So to me, it's almost saying, he's like, you know what, I don't want to do that again. Like, it, that was too hard. And then, by, by the way, the misinterpretation of that tweet from the Rockets fans was so horrible because they made it, they wanted to make it seem like I was saying he was lazy when I said, no, it was just, it's just too hard to do what he did. And we saw it. He conked out in the playoffs. And uh, against the better teams, he, you, when you have to do that much work, you know, Russell Westbrook showed us, James Harden showed us, it ain't gonna, it's not a winning formula deep in the playoffs in the West. So I'm almost thinking that Harden's like, please help me, get me somebody else that can do, you know, take 10% off my plate. Yeah, I mean, he, he you know, we talked about this, his, his three-point percentage suffered Harden. Um, you know, he was taking some of the toughest shots of anybody in the league and, and, you know, you bring in a guy like Chris Paul, I think it actually, I mean, it's definitely going to make the team better because Chris Paul's a, a good player. And anytime you add a good player and, and they will figure it out how to play together, uh, but it allows him to get off the ball a little bit. And I think D'Antoni would probably stagger those guys quite a bit and, and limit the, you know, like you wouldn't have them playing together 35 minutes a night, but maybe like 12 minutes a night and you would be able to stagger the rest and keep them fresh as you go through the season. You got two guys that can really run the pick and roll, two guys that can really shoot, can really score. Um, and in Chris Paul's case, I mean, well, and, and all both of them, because James Harden might be, you know, the best passer in the league as far as like just pure ability to pass the basketball. So they can set up other guys. Um, the tricky part is, you know, take, once you've given the keys to someone like they did with Harden, how do you then kind of take them away? That's, you know, and Dave, to that point, I've always thought, you know, point guard's the one position that I feel like, even though you always want to add talent, it's almost like quarterback in the NFL. Like, the one position you can't have two guys that that do it. Um, it now, in college, we're starting to see it, where teams are running, like, two-point guard offenses and things. And I know that the NBA's becoming positionless basketball. But forever, you could always play two centers. You could have two power forward. You know, you find a way to make them work on the court. If you have a couple of guys who could shoot – Two shooting guards, wings. You could have a million wings, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm. That's the part that I'm curious about, though. It's like because, because being call it a point guard, a lead guard, whatever we want to refer to it as, it is a mindset. And anyone who's played the position knows that. That there, there's something about not only are you running the offense, are you calling plays, coach on the floor stuff, but in addition to that, it's also up to you to grab guys and say, hey. Hey, don't worry about those last three. I want to make sure you get the ball. If you have two guys that are sort of sharing that responsibility in general, I wonder how much that affects the whole team. And, and maybe maybe I'm off, and maybe in today's NBA it almost doesn't matter. Um, but but I think it does. And, and so that would be the one question for me about bringing Chris Paul in, although – in a heartbeat, you'd have to do it. I mean, he's one of the best point guards to ever play the game. Well, I will say this: in, in on the flip side, on the on the Chris Paul perspective, like they, the, what the Clippers lost when they got rid of Collison, Darren Collison, when they played those two together for stretches in the games, that was I felt like they they never recreated that again, and they never were able to find that same spark. And I feel like so Chris Paul benefited from being that the shooting guard while Collison did some of the yeoman's work bringing it up. So I I think that you know in, in that respect it would work. I just don't know. If Chris Paul is going to be able to like facilitate a fast-moving offense like that, where they're trying to fire the ball up on you know 30-foot passes on the sideline for threes, uh, but then again, Chris Paul is that good that he should be able to be you know handle whatever they want to play. So uh, now, by the way, is that clear? Are they indeed targeting Chris Paul for Houston? 
I would assume so. I, I Look, if there's one thing that I know about Daryl Morey, it's that any superstar that's available, yeah, they're working on a plan to get them. I mean, they're 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 in on these Paul George trades. Okay, don't don't count them out on that. Don't count them out on Gordon Hayward. Don't count them out if if somehow Russell Westbrook is available. Don't count them out. Um, Daryl Morey has shown not only the proclivity and propensity, but the ability to to create the cap space to get guys to cr- put together trade packages that trumps other teams. And and to win these trades and get superstars in into that that system, and so never count them out on anyone. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I I feel the exact same way. I mean, every time I think Daryl Morey's put himself in a position contractually in which there's no way he's going to be able to pull off this next move, he seems to find a way to do it. You, you know, there's I just feel like over and over again in the NBA we're seeing GMs who. You know, Danny Ainge is another example. It's like it doesn't matter what the cupboard looks like now. They'll figure it out and they're going to be OK. I mean, they GMs are so underrated, I think, for the average fan. They they don't realize what goes on. And so you see guys like Lindsey in, in Utah make some wise moves. You see Danny Ainge has been unbelievable. And then you see the same guys botch it year after year as well. And so I think um there aren't that many visionaries in the NBA, and certainly Daryl Morey is is one of them. I'm curious from the Chris Paul though perspective, um, just a case you think in watching the Clippers this year, you guys think that it's just a case of him saying, "I'm never going to get over the hump playing in LA. I've I've just got to move on." Yeah, it, it feels that way for sure. Uh, you know, they they've given it a long time now. The only problem is that they're freak accidents and freak injuries that have derailed it. Um, but I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think the thing with like, you know, when you, when you're a yeller and a screamer as a coach, it, you know, after like three, four years, you kind of like lose your, you know, that's why like Larry Brown probably would leave and move around so much because he loses the audience. You know, Chris Paul is kind of the, the same version of that as a player. He really is. And so I, I wonder if he senses that as well. And was just like, you know what? I need to find a new audience of people where I could, you know, maybe, and maybe he'll tone down as he gets a little older too, but it sounds like he is a bulldog and not easy to be a teammate of sometimes um, and he could very well feel like that he's lost them as well and they can't he can't get him to he can't motivate him the way he normally would anymore but don't count the Clippers out on Chris Paul because that that fifth year when he's yeah. 36 at 40 something million dollars um, that matters right and the Clippers shouldn't even pay him that but they're gonna they're gonna have to offer it to him anyway right yeah they're in a position where unless they're doing a full teardown they have to try to bring everyone back. And I mean, J.J. Redick, Blake, Chris Paul, their, their cap just doesn't work otherwise. So um, if you start hearing the scuttlebutt that, that Blake is leaving, uh, then there's a decent chance that Chris Paul will be gone and J.J. Redick will be gone. Yeah. Well, yeah, what? Adam. I just have one, one thing that we talked about, all these moves, and we, don't, we can do this real quickly, but I'm so curious. We, we haven't talked about Paul George from the Indiana perspective, and I just wanted to ask real quick, if you're Indiana and you're in this situation and you're going to have to deal Paul George, you know he's going to leave after this year, and if it were to be a free agent, he'd probably end up in L.A., what would you be targeting right now if you're the Pacers? The what best deal available. I, I would take the best deal available. But what is that to you? Well, to me, if I'm the Pacers, I'm I'm looking to get good young assets and draft picks because Miles Turner is 20 years old, and that now becomes the the best guy on your team if you lose Paul George. I'm not trying to compete uh, for two years minimum. 
I'm trying to. We're going to tank. We're going to we're going to get these lottery picks, and we're going to hopefully get some more assets, and we'll be ready to go here in like two or three or four years. Yeah. Here's um, here's what they want. Now. Here's the answer. Are you ready? The answer is Ingram, Randall, and a pick. Right. That's a great haul. That's an amazing haul. Like that's what they would want, right? Because Randall hasn't fulfilled the promise. He might end up being a Paul George in a few years. Uh, they'd want another player that's, you know, okay, Randall. You know, he's, I like Randall. I think he's okay. And they'd probably want to pick. I don't know if it would be a first-round pick or whatever, but some, some sort of pick. I think that would be probably fair because, you know, what, what, what did we say Paul George is? Top, top 11? Top 12? I don't know. I haven't looked into the list. He's yet. definitely top 15. So top 15, yeah, so that no would doubt. be probably no fair. Doubt. So that's probably what they have to, the Lakers have to decide if they want to give up. Certainly they give up Randall. They could probably give up the pick. I think it's a question of Ingram. And, uh, but, I, you know, the other thing is I wouldn't want to give up talking with you guys either. But <laughs> we've gotten to that time where uh, our podcast <laughs> is, uh, has, has come to an end. But uh, I think we solved – you know what? We solved some problems. We certainly posed a lot of questions that are uh, going to be uh, floating in people's minds, I think. Uh, for, they're going to have their, their minds churning for the next week, I would think. Yeah, everyone's gonna come at me for the for the Russell Westbrook to to the Celtics stuff. But again, it was just you know it's a thought exercise. It's just to let you know that you know the contingencies that Woj talked about in in his report uh, may include stuff like that. Like I'm sure Danny Ainge is thinking about that. So. All right. Well, we shall find out. Uh, And guys, thank you for coming on the show again after our successful Friday uh, draft pod. And we're doing this again. I guess we're planning. We'll do this every week, right? Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I think Adam brings a lot to the show. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, I'm just glad to join you guys. Hey, thanks for being here. I'm glad I could be here, too. And uh, before the wives get all angry at us for staying out too late and getting this, uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. Do you win? Are you in, guys? Oh, I am.